Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life book. Um, he's a great intellectual. When, when Peterson came on the scene, it was an interesting thing because uh, he was explaining things in a lot more depth generally than I do, uh, but you, I could see that the understanding was the same, which I thought was pretty fascinating. And a lot of the, a lot of the study that he did uh, was the same. So he did, he did a few things in this book that I think are very important for people to know. I don't think people know them. Uh, and the, the implication has a profound, there's a profound implication, I should say, for one's life if you do understand some of these principles, the way that he's explaining them. So he says, I learned very two important lessons from Carl Jung the famous Swift depth psychologist, about doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, or loving your neighbor as yourself. He said the first lesson was that neither of these statements has anything to do with being nice. If you're taking notes, I would make a note of this because, you know, we're doing something different every day. You'll just hear this lesson. You'll pass, you'll, you know, you'll just forget it. This is one is really important. This one can have immediate impact in your life, okay? It has nothing to do with being nice. Now, I have done many teachings around the idea of being nice. And nice, being nice is one of the biggest con jobs uh, that people do. They do it to themselves. They do it to other people. Nice is not a virtue. It's not a value. Kind is. Kind is. But not nice. Okay, and yet we're raised with the idea of being nice. I have always uh, presented a bit of a different view when it comes to this word, because I think that uh, it has such a detrimental effect on the people that use it and the people that are used by it. First of all, because I think that what basically what it says is, no matter how you feel, be nice. And it also says on the other side, trust someone who's being nice. Neither one of those things are healthy. And they can end up extremely damaging in a person's life. He goes on to say this. The second was that both are equations rather than injunctions. If I am someone's friend, family member, or lover, when I'm, norm when I'm normally obliged to bargain as hard on my own half as they are on theirs, I fail to do so. I will end up a slave and the other person will end up a tyrant. What good is that? So this gives a very different picture to do unto others because most of the people I have ever come across and I had this same idea in my mind when I first learned it, was that you're supposed to be nice to your neighbor. That that's what, that's what it meant. And it was never taught to me in any other way. And I would, I would assume that most of you was never taught to you in any other way either. And he's giving a completely different picture of this. 
If I'm someone's friend, family member, or lover, then I'm morally obliged to bargain as hard on my own behalf as they are on theirs. If I fail to do so, I will end up a slave and the other person a tyrant. What good is that? It is much better for any relationship when both partners are strong. Furthermore, there is little difference between standing up and speaking for yourself when you're being bullied or otherwise tormented and enslaved and standing up and speaking for someone else. Jung points out this means embracing and loving the sinner who is yourself as much as forgiving and aiding someone who is stumbling and imperfect. Now, uh, the underlying value of this is that you're important. You matter. What you think, what you say, even if you're wrong, what you say is important. What you think matters. If you don't ever express yourself uh, and allow yourself to be wrong, it becomes very difficult for you to learn. All you're doing is voluntarily accepting somebody else's opinion or expertise without question. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And in a world, we live in a world that even, even if you go back to when we're children, if you say something that A, is either wrong, or B, people don't agree with, uh, they'll make fun of you, they'll berate you, they will try to shut you down, they will try to stop you from expressing your opinion, they, will, they could label you, you know, you're an idiot. We don't have time for your, your comment. So it's like be perfect or don't show up at all, and that's no good. That's no good. You're not learning anything when you do that. And nobody is actually teaching you anything when they're on the other side of it either. Those things, that, that behavior comes from low self-esteem on both people's parts. To be the tyrant or the bully and to be the receiver of that is the same affliction, by the way. He says, as God himself claims, so goes the story, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, I will repay, saith the Lord. According to the philosophy, you do not simply belong to yourself. You are not simply your own possession to torture or mistreat. Now, when you hear that, think about the quote that we're all following. Don't offer anything to God that is not wholly fitting for him. Let me read this again. God himself claims, so goes the story, vengeance is mine. I will repay it, saith the Lord. According to this philosophy, you do not simply belong to yourself. You are not simply your own possession to torture and mistreat. This is partially because of your being is inexorably tied up with that of others, and your mistreatment of yourself can be catastrophic, can have, can have catastrophic consequences for others. You have to really think about this. The other thing that I've been teaching you is that you have to change the authority in your mind. Who is the authority? Is it still the voice, which represents mom, dad, or any other authority figure in your life? Or have you repositioned yourself intellectually, emotionally, understanding that you come from God or the universe and you came through your parents? Your authority, your purpose, your objective is to, to more clearly 
hear God in you, hear God as you. And, and Peterson it does a great job of pointing this out from Jung's analysis of it, which I completely agree with. He goes on. This is most clearly evident, perhaps, in the aftermath of suicide, when those left behind are both uh, bereft and traumatized. But metaphorically speaking, there is also this. You have a spark of the divine in you, which belongs not to you, but to God. We are, after all, according to Genesis, made in his image. We have the semi-divine capacity for consciousness. Our consciousness participates in the speaking forth of being. He goes on to say, we are low-resolution versions of God. We can make order from chaos and vice versa in our way with our words. So we may not exactly be God, but we're not exactly nothing either. It's pretty cool when you think about it. Now, when you combine that idea with learning more about yourself, becoming more aware of your oneness with uh, someone or with God, your oneness with God, that power intensifies. But if it doesn't, if it does not remain, because he talks, what he's talking about here, even though he's not actually saying it, is that there's a, there's a bit of a balance to this. And the balance is what keeps us from going into being like having a God complex or a Christ complex, where we think that it doesn't matter what we think, it's right, we can't do anything wrong, God's telling us to do everything. That's when you end up with, you know, like a crazy person out there. Because, of course, you know, that's where you end up with somebody like Jim Jones, you know, uh, that gets out of balance. It's not healthy. People go on a terrible power trip when that happens. He says, in my own two periods of darkness in the underworld of, of the soul, I find myself frequently overcome and amazed by the ability of people to befriend each other to love their intimate partners and, and parents and children and to do what they must do in order to keep the machinery of the world running. Now, I'm going to back up here. Right before, in the, in the copy of the book that I have, and I'm reading from, if anybody wants to know, I'm reading from Rule 2. I started at the bottom of the page on 59. Right before I read, I learned two very important lessons from Young. There's a sentence above that. It's not a standalone. It's part of a paragraph. But you can be used as a standalone because it's true regardless if it's part of a paragraph or it's just a statement. It is not virtuous to be victimized by a bully, even if that bully is oneself. It is not virtuous to be victimized by a bully, even if that bully is oneself. We don't realize 
that when we go, if you start to, if you come from the place, and I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about just beating yourself up over something like common shame and guilt. But when you, when you say, I can't get myself to do this, that, or the other, you're abusing yourself. Because you're making yourself less than your capabilities. You're experiencing less than your possibilities. And it go, it's a, it's a, it's a, as so many books point out, not just Peterson, uh, not just Young, but so many books point out, it, it begins a journey to the underworld, which is for the person that, that goes, when a person has a dark night of the soul experience, it's a pretty horrific experience for that individual. And I don't believe that it's necessary for every person to have that experience. I just don't. I've had that experience, and I don't think that it's necessary. I think that it is, it's, it's almost, you could almost view it like God or the universe's last attempt to turn you around before removing you from this lifetime. Having said that, it means that we're continually making choices that go in a wrong direction until we get to the place where it cannot, it cannot go forward anymore. You're at the bottom of the bottom. And it's like you either turn it around or you die. But it's in the individual choices. You know, it, these things start off usually very innocent. That's how they start well, I'm not going to do that today. And then if it was just one day, fine. But then when it turns into two days, then two days turn into a week, and a week turns into a month, and a month turns into years. <clears throat> I think it was Brandon, I think it was uh, 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 Steph's husband, Brandon, asked me a few weeks back. He's like, how did we get into the mess that we're in in our world right now? I said, well, it came when we started taking values that we thought were kind of tired and worn out and we got rid of those values, but we didn't replace them with anything. So that meant that anything goes, you know, most of the values that we, that have come down through the generations are rooted in some kind of re religious value. So when those religious values start to become restrictive based on how uh, human beings are evolving in their in their awareness. If we get rid of them because we say this doesn't work anymore, but we don't replace it with something, we just replace it with anything that we want. We get into chaos, and and we're currently seeing chaos like we have never seen it in a very 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 long time. Because there's no value to say, shut your fucking mouth. That's too much. It's too far. There's no reasonable discourse when you go down the road of making everybody else evil because you don't like what they're saying or doing. There was a time when we did not do that near as much as we do it today. Because all it becomes then is that bullying aspect of I'm right, you're wrong. But not only are you wrong, you should be banished from society because you're wrong. 
What keeps us from going into that chaos? Values. Toleration, real toleration, real values. If we don't replace it with a different set of values, you're like an airplane that's out of control in the sky. You've lost your bearing. And the further, the further we get out of that bearing, the more we tumble. Because there's nothing to grab onto. We have no values. We have nothing to right us again. Chaos. Now I'm reading from page 44. I like to jump around <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. Chaos and order are fundamental elements because every lived, every lived situation, even every conceivable lived situation, is made up of both. No matter where you are, there are some things we can identify, make use of, and predict, and some things we neither know or understand. Now, Peterson's first book was this, Maps of Meaning, The Architecture of Belief. For most people, this is a rough one. This is almost like reading Troward, this book. Uh, he goes, you know, he... He's an intellectual extraordinaire. I mean, he's a very, very intelligent human being. Sometimes so, and I think what he's done is he's kind of dumbed, dumbed himself down over the years so that the average individual can understand what he's saying. This book's a little bit different, but it's still good. It's a really, really good book. He could probably say this in 100 pages, by the way, instead of this equivalent to a novel that he created. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's what intellectuals do, right? They, they love to go down every pathway that they can with, with their mind, which is great because I think it allows people to hear things uh, very differently. So now I'm going to go to page 53, and I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to wrap up with this. This is the paragraph at the bottom of the page that's entitled Good and Evil. He says, when their eyes opened, Adam and Eve realized more than their nakedness and their necessity of toil. They also come to know good and evil, the serpent says, referring to the fruit. For God doth know, doeth know, sorry, that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Understand this. When those two polarizations became aware to us, what's right smack in the middle of it? Choice. Choice. That is the day that your power to choose uh, became real. Because in order to have that power, in order, in order to have the ability to choose to any, any degree of power, Right, Because a dog chooses, but they're not conscious of their choice. They just go by instinct. To be able to, to make that powerful, you have to be aware. You have to know the difference between what you're choosing. You have to have the polarization of opposites in front of you. So what could that possibly mean? He says, what could be left to explore and relate after the vast ground already covered on this topic? The... The simple context indicates that it must have something to do with gardens, snakes, disobedience, fruit, sexuality, and nakedness. It was the last item, nakedness, that finally clued me in. It took years. 
Dogs are predators, so are cats. They kill things and they eat them. Uh, it's not pretty. But we take them as pets and we care for them and we give them their medication when they're sick, regardless why. They're predators, but it's just their nature. They do not bear responsibility for it. They're hungry, not evil. They're hungry, not evil. But I want you to think about something. He's giving us a huge realization that most people never, ever think of because they get into labeling. He's saying they're hungry, not evil. They're hungry, not evil. When you look at human beings and your mind wants to go to evil or some kind of an idea along that route or, or any kind of judgment, if you back off of that need to be right about how you're identifying this person, what need are they actually fulfilling? What need? Remember, first principles, simplicity. What is this in and of itself? What is this in and of itself? It could be a lot of things. You have to ask it for each thing. For each thing, what is this? What is this thing that I'm seeing? If we go to judgment, we become just like everybody else. You'll never gain any awareness or understanding. So this takes effort. This takes time. This takes constantly evaluating the things that you that you judge in life. But it will change everything for you when you do it. Because in my mind, it takes you beyond good and evil. And there is a place beyond good and evil. And it's very interesting. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.